If you have your Bibles, why don't you go back with me, Psalms 132. Psalms 132. I just want to just go back and re-enhance over this as we go forward tonight. As we've been speaking about the vow of the heart. The vow of the heart. And you're going to see just a moment tonight. I'm going to share with you something new the Lord's just given me about the importance of the vow of the heart towards God and towards Him in worship and prayer and praise and fasting and surrender. And I want you to look with me in Psalms 132 verse 1. We've been studying this about David. It said, Lord, remember David. David's not writing this. This is one of uh, his men that wrote this. And he says, remember David and all of his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed, vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not, they heard him say this, I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed or will I give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I have found a place for the Lord, a dwelling place. Say that with me, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And then it goes on to say, I love in the, uh, verse 7 in this message, it says, and we shouted, let's go to the shrine dedication. Let's worship God, God's own footstool. Up, God, enjoy your new place of quiet repose, you and your mighty covenant ark. And it goes on to say in verse 13, For the Lord has chosen Zion, and He has desired it for His dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. And we've been speaking about not just us, but each and every one of us desiring to be that dwelling place for God, that where God's sweet presence and His voice can be heard and that we can experience things that, that we haven't experienced yet that will keep religion far from us and the fire of God burning within our heart that everything would be fresh and new. How many of you know that even with your marriage, when if you've been married for a number of years or even a short time, you know the importance of keeping your marriage fresh? Of keeping those vows fresh, about telling each other how much you love each other every day, of never taking each other for granted, which it happens so many times in marriages, just taking each other for granted, taking for granted what they do around the house and what they do for each other, and just learning to praise them and thank them for being so good and so faithful and so loving in what they do. Well, you know, the Father is jealous over you. We'll see this tonight in a few minutes in the Scripture. He's jealous. And David was jealous over having a dwelling place, a place for the Father. And then we saw, look with me in Psalms 137, that the enemy is after trying to stop that. And I already shared this with you about the zeal of David establishing a place. It says in the Word of God, listen to this, David paid 4,000 musicians. He paid them full-time salary to play before the ark. Oh, wouldn't you love to be able to get there to where you have a whole staff just to be here before the platform every day and worship before God. David paid 4,000 of them full-time musicians, and then he paid 288 prophetic singers full-time, 4,000 musicians, 288 
prophetic singers to sing and prophesy before the Lord. It says that David would sit upon his throne and he would call his personal prophets who were also mighty generals in his army. And he would call the musicians in front of him. And a lot of these psalms were written. Uh, David only wrote some of them. Asaph, for example, wrote 73, I believe. And then others wrote many others. And he would call the prophetic singers and worshipers before him and he would sit upon his throne and he would and he would tell them to worship and to praise and they were praising constantly 24 hours a day before the ark of God and then he had some others in his presence before the throne just to keep the atmosphere and the environment of one of worship and praise because he valued the presence of God so much so he had 4,000 musicians full time 288 paid prophetic singers and they would worship before God then he had 4,000 gatekeepers to keep what needs to be kept out, to keep what needs to be kept in. And then in total, he had over 10,000 full-time staff just for the, the jealousy and for the zeal he had for God. And look at Psalms 137, verse 1. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps, and I shared with you, the enemy wants to stop the church from going to a new level of worship. He wants to stop you and I from going to a new level of worship. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, and there are those who carried us away captive, asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing one of those songs of Zion. And then look at verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And the enemy would want us to to just, I don't see all the importance, all emphasis on worship. Or why in my home do I need to even raise my hands unto the Lord? Why do I need to sing? Why do all this about always having worship and praise before God? Why do we have to sacrifice and go to church on Sunday night? No other churches have church on Sunday night. Why do we? It's because the Lord wants us here to worship Him. Oh, come and magnify the Lord together. The Lord never told me to stop Sunday nights. Men have volunteered saying, why don't we stop Sunday nights? Hey, I would like to stay home just as much as you. But God hasn't said stop Sunday nights. He says, I want my people to come together, to gather together. This is not a legalistic thing as I has been, I've been judged about. This isn't legalism. This isn't, this isn't a time just to do something because we don't have something else to do. This is a time to come together and worship the Lord and go into new depths. Last Sunday night, you know, the Spirit of God came in this place and He visited us. And, and in Wednesday nights and Tuesday nights, you never know when He comes, but we want to be here when He's here and and we want to learn to be before God to worship him because worship the devil wants to take it why look with me in Revelations 13 let me show you something here Revelations chapter 13 I want to show you something here Revelations 13 you know there's so much interest in the end times who's going to be the antichrist who's going to be the beast what's he going to do where's he's going to be from there's so much much interest on the end times. And, and do you know what I see right here? Look at this in Revelation 13 verse 1. I saw a beast rising from the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On each horn a crown. And each head inscribed with a blasphemous name. The beast I saw looked like a leopard with bear paws and lion's mouth. And the dragon turned over its power to it. Its throne in great authority. One of the beast's heads looked as if it had been struck a death blow and, and then healed. 
And the whole earth was agog, gapping at the beast. Now look at, this is the message. Listen to what it says. It says in the King James, they worshipped the dragon who gave the beast authority. And they worshipped the beast, exclaiming, there never have been anything like the beast. No, no one would dare to go to war with the beast. They're worshipping, they're singing. The beast had a loud mouth, boastful and blasphemous. It could do anything it wanted for 42 months. It yelled blasphemies against God, blasphemied His name, blasphemied His church, especially those already dwelling with God in heaven. It was permitted to make war on God's holy people and conquer them. It held absolute sway over the tribes and the people's tongues and races. Everyone on earth whose name was not written from the world's foundation in the slaughtered Lamb's book of life will worship the beast. As I read this, I started thinking, as we could study the horns and the leopard, and you could study all those things, the thing it says three times is about the end times is going to be a war over worship. That's the thing I want you to see here. David was saying, if we hang up our harps and we stop worshiping, we're already captive to Babylon. The thing I want you to see in the book of Revelation, that the reason God is raising up people to be sold out in prayer, in fasting, in intercession, in true worship, and in praise, is because the end time is going to be a war through the worship. You could already see the 80s had a, the 70s and 80s had this huge movement of blaspheming God. If you look up the lyrics, you hear that they would outrightly speak and they would use the F word of going in the throne of God and use the F word in the face of God, the blasphemies. They were so bold in the 70s and 80s to blasphemy and to pray Satanism and to, to sing songs of it's better to reign in hell than, than die in heaven and, and all the blasphemies. And then all of a sudden there seemed to be a change in, in, the, in the world's worship. And as the worship of the church started getting stronger and more, more extravagant and more anointed and more glorious, and you didn't, in, in the late 90s and the 2000s, even though there is some bad uh, demonic worship going on, the worship of the church is getting stronger and stronger. But you can see that in these concerts of the past, when they would get together and they would, they would put on their concerts and their lights and they would get on drugs and they would do the different things they would do at these concerts, and you could see as far as I can see, all the people coming to these concerts to, to uh, praise the ones playing their instruments and those singing their songs and singing the songs along with them, you could see that how this will be the perfect atmosphere for the Antichrist and the beast to appear and start doing its signs and wonders and how it will rise up to try to, to steal the, the uh, young people and, and the older people alike and try to steal them from the church, to steal them from worshiping the God of heaven to worshiping the beast and the Antichrist and saying... There's no one who's ever done anything like the beast. Look at the beast. We must worship the beast. If you don't worship the beast, you will suffer and you will die. And what we're seeing is it's like for a long time now, the church, we've been in a war where if you've seen like Rocky 3 uh, or Rocky 4, where he had to fight the Russian and it was supposed to be an ex exhibition bout when Apollo Creed got in there. And the Russian, he, he said it was going to be an expedition bout. But when he got in there, he ended up killing 
the champion of the United, the, one of the champions of the United States, heavyweight champions of the world. Why? Because in his, he said with his mouth it was going to be an exhibition fight, but in his heart it was his desire was to see him die. And when he died, he smiled. I want you to know that what we're heading to is not an exhibition fight. It's not going to be no headgear. It's not going to be some special gear. It's going to be an all-out war. It's going to be an all-out battle. And it's going to be the kingdom of God battling through worship and praise as Daniel did in chapter 10, where the praise and the intercession of Daniel called angels to move, but it also stirred up the principalities and powers to start moving too. Because when true worship and intercession, it's not some little prayers that we just pray because it's time to pray. But it was getting the Word of God and saying, this Word says it's time to come to pass. And we've been battling with this Word. And we know it's time to come to pass. And we know the enemy doesn't want this Word to come to pass. And the enemy wants to wear out the saints and say, just hang your hearts up and stop worrying about worship and praising. Why be such a fanatical people? Why not just get comfortable? But Daniel was saying, I can't get comfortable. You go ahead and tell me you're going to kill me if you see me praying. But I'm going to open up the windows wide because I'll rather die than stop praying towards Jerusalem three times a day. I will not stop interceding. I will not stop praising. I will not stop worshiping. I will not glorify God. I will not stop glorifying God. I am not going to allow the prince of Persia to go ahead and scare me out of my position. Even though I may be a moral man, I serve a living God. And as long as I keep worshiping and I keep praying and I keep fasting and I keep interceding and I keep warring, though I'm a mortal man and even though they threaten to throw me in the lion's den and even though they threaten to destroy my life, if God's hand is upon me, it doesn't matter how much of the enemy tries to rise up against me, the Lord God will cover me and I will continue to worship and I will continue to praise and I will continue to magnify my God no matter what the enemy's threats try to be. In the last time, I will not boast in the beast or the antichrist, but we will make our boast in the Lord who created both the heaven and the earth. Doesn't matter how popular they are. Doesn't matter what they try to sing or who may be following them. We know the Spirit of God. We are to learn and be in tune with the Spirit of God. For you, a few weeks ago, I gave a young man on a Sunday morning a prophecy over here from New Orleans and come to find out that he is one of these guys who fight on, uh, what you call it? UFC. UFC. What does that mean? Ultimate fighter. Ultimate fighter. And you might have seen him on TV. There's no boxing gloves. You can kick, you can bite, you can throw, you can pinch. There's, there's almost like a fight with no rules. And it's not just so simple with gloves and you got, now no punching below the belt. No, and this, anything goes. And he's fighting in March. Well, listen. And when it comes to worship and praise, we've got to be as violent as that. Well, no, there is no running. Oh, I'll run all over you, devil. There shouldn't be any shouting. Oh, yeah, there ought to be shouting. Don't need it so much. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. No, we need it. Because every time we shout it from the heart, we scare the enemy and penetrate the ranks of the enemy. And at the mention of the name of Jesus, they tremble. Oh, God is wanting to raise up people who are going to worship Him in spirit and in truth and not back down from glorifying and praising God. God's got a plan. Look with me in Isaiah 56. Well, where are you going to find these type of people? I don't, I don't see people who really want to do that, preacher. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see 
what David was trying to do, what every revival did. In Isaiah 56, the louder the Antichrist comes, the louder the church has to be. And look at this in Isaiah 56. I want you to see this. I'm going to read this in the message translation. Isaiah 56, I want to start with verse 3. talks about how blessed are you enter into these things, you men and women who embrace them. Wow. How blessed you are who enter into these things, you men and women who embrace them, who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, who watch your step and don't do anything evil. Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. Wow. You hear what God, you hear what the Word of God is saying? God is saying, I'm going to get the down and outers. I'm going to get the lepers. And I shared with you that David said, I will seek the Lord. This is what I'll do. I will seek the Lord. It means to beg. I will get the beggars. I will get the divorcees. I will get the ex-convicts. I will get those who never had it easy in life. And they're going to say, I don't care what comes out of the mouth of the beast and the Antichrist. I should have already been dead if it wasn't for God. So I'm sure not going to shut up for you, you slew foot looking thing. I'm going to magnify my God no matter how many threats come out of your mouth. Go ahead and kill this body. I'll be praising on the streets of gold. And it said in Revelation, they blasphemed more the saints already in glory than the ones living. You know why? Because <laughs> they can't touch them there. Go ahead, kill me. I'll just be running on streets of gold, still cursing you in the name of Jesus. And it goes on to say, and make sure no physically mutilated person is ever made to think, listen to this now, I'm damaged good. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit is speaking. I'm raising up a people. And they're going to be the end time worshiper and praise. Don't you ever allow them to say, I'm damaged goods. I'm not worth anything. I, I, I wasn't born in a Christian home, and I used to shoot up in my arm. And just Friday, we got with Teen Challenge Leadership, and we watched a video. And some of your greatest men on the streets of New York and around the world, around the world, have killed people with overdoses with their own hands. And there's scars all over their arms. But they're some of the greatest sold-out preachers today. Why? Because somebody got to tell them, don't ever say you're damaged goods. Because God takes damaged goods and turns them into profits. It goes on to say, and don't ever let no physically mutilated person ever made to think I'm damaged goods. I really don't belong for God says. The church may say differently, but for God says to the mutilated who keep my Sabbaths and choose what delights me and keep a firm grip on my covenant. What does it say? I provide them an honored place in my family within my city. Even more honored 
than the sons and the daughters. I confer permanent honors on them that will never be revoked. That is powerful. I put honors. You say we shouldn't let that this type of people in the tabernacle. I say watch out because I'm going to give them double honors. But they're mutilated. They're crippled. They're eunuchs. They're, 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 they're foreigners, it says in the King James Bible. You know what a foreigner is? An idolater. They've been spending their life worshiping other gods. And you know what God says? Don't call them unclean because if they worship me the way they used to worship those other gods, my church will win the battle. In Mexico, they would get on their knees and they would walk for mile, They would walk on their knees for miles to the Virgin of Guadalupe just to touch the mantle of Guadalupe, in case it had some miraculous power. And then in, in, in Tumbaja, there in Hui, they would go into these mountains and walk for days and days because some shepherd years ago saw this virgin appear and say, "Build me a temple." And they started bringing stuff in the middle of the Andes Mountains to build a temple there. And God was saying, and then I got them on video about all the price that they paid, the rituals. They don't care if it's cold; they sleep out on the rocks. And they don't even have covers and they go for days and days because it's a ceremony to this certain God that they have worshipped for years and years. But yet, when they hear about the covenant, not of a llama or a goat, but they hear of the covenant of the blood of Jesus. And when they hear that they don't have to walk on their knees to, to, to please these different gods and they don't have to try to please all the gods and they don't have to walk according to all the traditions. All they have to worship is the one true God. And they put that same emphasis on Christ and the word of Christ and the blood in the name of Christ. He says, don't call them damaged goods because I'm going to take that which has been rejected by man and I'm going to place a mantle and honors and I'm going to give them a specific place in my body and they're going to shout and they're going to sing and many are going to say well look they're full of this they got tattoos and they got earrings and they got three different color hairdos and and they do this and they do that and they holler like a maniac they're like this girl from Cuba just has to holler all the time and on Sunday morning got another blonde whistling like a guy and, and all these different things going on that shouldn't be and they shouldn't be allowing whistling and church. They shouldn't be allowing hollering in church. And God is saying, don't reject what I call special in my presence. Don't reject what pleases me. Don't judge what I give my honors to. And we're living in a society where everybody talks of being traumatized and damaged. And the Antichrist and the beast is preparing its move. But what they don't know, as why they're laughing at little churches where everybody's happy and they're fighting over who's going to bring the chicken and the potato salad. And while the church is so busy about fighting over anything they could find to fight about, there are somebody shooting up under a bridge and there is somebody who is crying out fighting pornography and there is somebody who's trying to find out how to keep their marriage together. There is somebody who's tormented of their past and they're crying out, God, if you could do anything to save me, if you could 
would take me and use me. And while many others are just wanting to be comfortable and let's fight over if we're going to have a place to hang our hats in the foyer of the church, there are those who are crying out, I don't care about picnics. I don't care about chicken or potato salad. I care about having Jesus. I care about coming to church to worship Jesus. And if I'm not accepted there, I'll have church at home. I'll go in the woods. I'll go on the hill. But somewhere I'm going to find some place to magnify God. And God is saying, I'm going to take the crippled and the lame. I'm going. He said, even Jesus says, go out and find those who don't have a coat, who don't dress right, who don't live in the right area of town, who don't drive the right type of car, who don't have the right type of education. Go ahead and go. And if they don't have any coats, give them your coat. Wrap them in a blanket and bring them back to my church. But I, what the enemy doesn't know is that all the damaged goods in America, all the ones who were supposed to have been aborted, all the ones who have been mocked and prostituted their bodies just to get the next fix, everybody who's been through all these damaging things, and the Antichrist and beast is saying, you see, we're winning, we're winning. But God has a plan that He says, I'm going to raise up a people in the midst of the garbage dump. In the midst of the garbage dump, I'm going to raise up the boy who is rejected by his dad and the girl who was rejected by her mother. And I'm going to raise up a generation who are not going to care what men think and they will not fear men but they will fear only God and they will be willing to worship and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords don't reject the eunuch who has no power to do anything of himself he exists but he cannot reproduce he cannot be fruitful he is useless just like the foreigner or the idolater, or the pagan. But God says, what men reject and call ugly, I call beautiful. And who are we talking about here? We're talking about David. His own dad forgot about him when the prophet came to the house. They said that he was a stepson. A lot of theologians think he had a different mother. Jesse was his dad, but had a different mother. That's why the other brothers rejected him. When he went to bring him cheese and he wanted to see something greatly done for God, his brothers mocked him and made fun of him. His own dad. The king told him he couldn't do it. It was always, you can't do it. Oh, I forgot, we do have another son. But you don't even want to waste your time with him. But just like the Spirit of God told the prophet, I look on the heart and not the outward appearance. The Spirit of God is moving in America. And there are people that are not even born again yet in central Louisiana that may be in the Hope House or some other place right now. But the Spirit of God is saying that I have a people that don't know me yet, but they shall know me because there is an eternity within their hearts. And I'm going to move upon them in my spirit. And I'm going to bring them out of their bondages and their hiding place. And the Antichrist and beast who thinks he has destroyed so many innocent lives in America, I'm going to take them innocently destroyed uh, people in the trash pile. And I'm going to take the Davids who are not even known, who are forgotten about even by their own dad who gave them life, by their own brothers who are ridiculed and told all the time, you can't, you can't, you can't. But I'm going to spirit of God upon them at a young age to say, you can, you can, you can, you can, and you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to be different from me. You have to be willing for me. You've got to be will, willing to be different for me, says the Lord your God. 
You've got to be willing to be different and not worry about what they say, even your own family. It's about how passionate and zealous you are of making a dwelling place for me. This is what I want Word of Grace to be. The prophecies we got in that we have not understood. When Pastor Sam told us of the dedication, I'm, I'm going to send you the special ones. Not that you're... Not that. Anyway, he says, I'm going to send you the special ones because I can trust you with them. You know, so many times you hear churches pray, Lord, send us the wealthy with the prosperous, this and that and the other. And the Lord says, but they won't be the Davids that kill the giants like the ones I'm going to send that nobody else wanted. I'm going to take the down and outers. I'm going to take the damaged lives. And I'm going to revive them as spirit, Holy Ghost, arsonist for me. I'm going to take the prisoners in the prisons. Fill them with the Holy Ghost and power through brother, buddy, sister Barbara. Send them back to their countries and turn their cities upside down. I'll take the damaged goods and turn them into princes before me. I'll give them honor. You hear what he's saying there? The eunuchs. The revival. I wrote this down. The revival of the outcast to the highest place of honor. The foreigners were idolatrous. Listen to this. <laughs> they were the people we looked down out. They're the immoral people. You know, people, they don't do it anymore, but they used to think they have to come tell me and say, Pastor, do you know that brother so-and-so is living with that woman? Do you know that, that it, they're having sex and they're going to hell? I, I say, yeah, I'm praying for them, but what do you want me to do? Sleep in the middle of them? <laughs> they're immoral. Yes, they're immoral today. But the Lord says, I'm going to take the immorals, immorals. And if they could be passionate to flaunt their stuff because of sin in public, then I hope they're passionate to flaunt their love for me Hallelujah. publicly. They weren't ashamed to be seen in public. Are you condoning sex? No. Taught on adultery Wednesday night. Get the tape. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we, the church, can never look down and say they will never change. We're called to give hope to the hopeless. Healing to the brokenhearted. I think you ought to preach more fire and brimstone to the sinner. I think the, 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 the sassy, fat, comfortable saint is the one who needs the fire and the brimstone. Because we've gotten so comfortable in our cliché 
Christian life. That God is wanting to wake up and stir up an army who is willing to be obedient to the easiest thing. And God say, don't despise what I honor and accept. But Lord, she was a prostitute. Yes, but so was the first woman evangelist who preached about the resurrection of Christ. She had seven devils cast out of her. Who did I appear to first? Was it Peter? No. Was it the beloved? No. It was an ex-demonic, demon-possessed prostitute that I appeared to. And she went and she preached about my resurrection. Damaged good. You may be saying, why are you preaching this to us? I may not be preaching to you. It may be somebody listening to this tape. But I know one thing. I'm prophesying into the atmosphere that there is a bunch of damaged, hurting, low people who are rejected and feel like God could never use them. And God is saying, you are exactly the ones I'm going to use to spit in the face of the beast and the Antichrist. And you you are so crazy and wild that when the Antichrist and the beast blaspheme my name, you're going to stand up and you're going to glorify my name because you don't care about anybody thinks. The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. Don't you know this Florida and and this revival in Florida? The man's got tattoos in his lip, in his eyeballs, in in his eyelids, in his ears. He's got he's got earrings and he's got tattoos from here down. And just two weeks ago, Brother Peter gave him the apostolic anointing. And I've got the books that say the tattoos are of the devil, piercings are of the devil. I've got all their books on it. And now they're not asking him to take it out. They're anointing him and say, keep getting people saved and healed. He wears shirts that I wouldn't wear. And I ain't going to eat no tattoo, no earring. But I'm not filling up coliseums like he is too. And I'm not seeing all the miracles he's seen too. And all I can say is, Brother Todd, go for it, brother. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Here's an offering. Go buy another earring. I don't care what you do. Just keep getting them saved and keep getting them healed. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh. Mm. I'll take the damaged. I'll take the hurting. And I'll bring them to the cave of Adullam. And I'll make mighty men and women out of them. And I'll give them a place to rule and reign with me, says the Lord. I'll give them honor, Brother Chris. The bigger, I think, the resumes for the beast and the anti, the day of the beast and the Antichrist, I think the bigger the resumes are going to be that look pretty bad, the more wrong you've got, I think those are the ones God's going to say, okay, I'll fix this guy and I'll use him. That's the type of resume I'm looking for. 14 cases of this, 16 cases of that. He can't do nothing but go up. I think I'll use him. I think I'll use her. Five 
husbands and the man you're living with now, you're living with him? Come on, let's go preach to Samaria. (laughs) You see, the spirit of Jesus blows the religious mindset. I'll get the brave. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God He saved a wretch like me. Thank God He saved us by His grace and His blood. Thank God He hasn't given up and He will not give up on us. I don't have... Is it 7.30? Oh, no, I won't keep going. We'll come back next week. But but let me, let me do, go on and finish the last part. Because I had him sing, he's jealous over me. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. And let me just say this. Because you see, I want you to see this because this is what happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening in our lives. And this is what is happening in your life. And you may be saying, I don't understand what's going on. But I want you to hear these scriptures. And I I, I just want to encourage you about this. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7, it says. Song of Solomon 8, verse 6. Set me, Jesus. You may want to put in parentheses there. Set me, Jesus, as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love, God's love in you, is as strong as death. Let me tell you about that. This love he's talking about is as strong as death. How many of you know that that in the Hebrew speaks about the grasp of death? How many of you know that when death grabs you, death don't let you go? When you're dead, you're dead. He's saying, you have set a seal upon my heart to be filled with your love and a love towards you that is as real and it holds me as the grasp of death. I'm not getting out of this. I'm not getting out of this. And it goes on to say, God's jealousy is as cruel, and the word cruel means demanding as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Listen to this now. Many waters, and if you're taking notes, the many waters speaks of pressures of the enemy. Sins. Besetting sins. Many waters cannot quench the love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. The scripture says in James 4 verse 5, Do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us earns jealously? Write that down, James 4, 5. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us earns jealousy? What does that mean? Love demands everything. 
Say that. Love demands everything. Is jealous. Have you ever been jealous? Oh, no, she's mine. No, he's mine. No, that's mine. Well, that's how God feels over us. It says in Exodus 34, 14, just write it down. Exodus 34, 14. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Now, we meditate upon him as a healer and a provider and our victory. But we also have to meditate on him as jealous God. Matthew 12.30, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Solomon says, set me as a seal upon your heart. How many of the kings would have that signet ring and they would put wax on a special letter and and they would put their signet ring to show in that wax that this is backed up by the government and the authority of the owner of this ring, which is the king. It says in the book of Ephesians that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been reading the scriptures that God is jealous over us. And if you have been finding yourself to where all of a sudden you start hearing the Spirit of God inside of you saying, I don't want you spending time with that. I want you spending time with me. But Lord, it's innocent. I don't care how innocent it is. It's taking you away from me. I want you right now. The Lord God is jealous. And you know who responds to that type of jealousy? The hurting and the dying. Because they finally find someone who loves me no matter what. He has set his seal over me. He loves me no matter what. He cares for me no matter what. And how can a holy God be so jealous over weak, evil me? It's because he looks beyond our faults. And his grace and his mercy goes beyond. He says, I'm jealous over I'm not going to share you with drugs. I'm going to give you the grace to conquer it. I'm not going to share you with alcohol. I'm going to give you the grace to conquer it. I'm not going to share you with perversion. I'm going to give you the grace to conquer it. I'm not going to share you with the spirit of pride or the spirit of religion. I'm going to give you the grace and the revelation to conquer it. Because I'm jealous over you. Because when you start praising something, listen, when you start praising your apple pie, So eloquently, more than you praise me. When you start praising what a great cook you are, what a great provider you are, what a great whatever you are. And there is more enthusiasm in your voice for that than the enthusiasm I hear in your voice for me. I'm jealous. When you can sing those love songs to your wife and dance with her, but you can't sing love songs that enthusiastically over me and dance with me, I'm jealous. Because you're mine. You can only be jealous 
over something you own. <laughs> I own you, says the Lord. He's jealous over us. And when he starts saying it, you spend more time washing and waxing that car than you do with me. And it's going to rust and fall to pieces on you. It devaluates and I magnify. All these things that you do so much with, I get jealous over. Is this making sense? you talk about me that way. David would. I wish you would talk about me that way. I, I, I can't talk about that big, fat, wet kiss that they sing. I don't think you ought to sing about that in church. God says, it's about time you sing about me like David would sing about me. And he sang about kissing me all the time. I don't understand these songs. It's because God is raising up worship that will outdo the worship of the beast. Because it's going to be a parallel fight. But we're going to give the beast the fight of his life. And we're going to give the Antichrist the fight of his life. And right now, they may not be here, but we're going to give Satan, the adversary, the accuser, Beelzebub, whatever his stupid name is, we are going to give him the fight of his life. We're going to magnify the Lord. We're going to boast in the Lord our God. We're going to praise our God. We're going to worship our God. We're going to sing unto our God. And Lord, we pray that whatever causes your heart to feel jealous, oh, woo us into that relationship to where we are with you. And that we have your guarantee. As water puts fire out, when the enemy sends disappointments and pressures and pain, he wants to put the fire out on our love. He says in Revelation, he says, you've lost your first love. Why? Things have, things have put out the fire of our love. Ephesians 1.13, in whom having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit and promise. To set a seal means to incite the fiery presence. It means to touch and to seal our heart. He does not force us. We must invite him to do this. And Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Or in other words, I'm not going to make you love me. Will you just cooperate? Saints, that's what worship is. Will you cooperate? In the assembly of the believers and worship me. Will you cooperate in raising your voices, raising your hands, clapping and shouting and everything that was done in the tabernacle of David? Will, will you join in and cooperate with what my spirit is saying? Then I will come and build my presence, my throne in your midst. Cooperation. Selling out to Jesus. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Amen, church? I thought we're supposed to be sold out. 
I thought was supposed to be sold out. And I pray every seat filled on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. I pray the youth filled with hungry people. That this is not just another building that was paid for by tithes and offerings and built and has is a church building. I pray that this is a place of the gathering and the presence of the Almighty God and that it is not a place I've joined. It's a place I belong. It's a place I long for. It's not just another building, not just another gathering. It's a place to come in the presence of God. And I just don't want to be another believer. I want to be a dwelling place for God's Spirit. I want to pay the price. He dwell. He has found a place at home with me and you that we can worship Him. Let's stand on our feet. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we worship. Lord, we didn't get to the scripture, but you say in your word, your bride has made herself ready. She has made herself ready. She has become glorious without spot and wrinkle. She is zealous and on fire for the things of the bridegroom. We're called the friend of the bridegroom because we invite those to come together that we may worship And praise the Lord. Lord, we desire to be of those who put you first, that love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our body, and all that we have. We desire to be like David that said time and time again, I have worked hard and I have done my best and gave my all to prepare him a dwelling place. Show us, Holy Spirit, and reveal to us, Holy Spirit, What we have to do personally to be part of those who open the door for you to come in and dwell within us and among us. How bad do we want it? How bad do we want it? Let me finish this this example right quick. I don't know if Sister Cindy Nichols, the church secretary, I don't know if she already left, but she got a call yesterday and today that her son Jay, who played the drums for, for us since 99, he was just a kid, 9, 10 years old. She got a call yesterday that he was sworn in as a United States Marine yesterday. And he's graduating this week. She's going over there with his wife to, to the graduation. Before Jay went to boot camp, the Marine boot camp, he got in a motorcycle wreck. They had to screw his foot together. And as he was there crying, as they were putting screws in his ankles, he said, am I going to be able to be a Marine? And the doctor said, don't worry. Let's don't worry about that. Let's just try to get you back walking again. But I want to be a Marine. Yeah, but let's just try to get you to where you can walk. But his heart and his passion was so sold on being a Marine that with those screws in his ankle, every time he runs, it hurts. 
Every time he jumps off of something, it hurts. There's always a pain and an agony. And many who didn't have screws in their ankles quit. But he went all the way to end because he had a passion. I want to be a United States Marine. If we could have the passion, I want to be in the army of the Lord. And whatever it costs me, whatever I have to do without, and whatever punishment I have to go through. For a whole week, they beat him from the waist down. And from another few days or a week, they beat him from the waist up. And three days with no sleep at all. And having to be on his feet and standing up every day except Sunday to sit down for a little while to eat. All the sacrifice and all that he did. And jumping out of helicopters and all that he did during boot camp. Crying his heart was, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be sworn in as a United States Marine. A few hundred dollars a month pay. Not a whole lot of benefits. Now he's going to go through training to be infantry. Why do all that? Because that was the passion, desire of his heart. That he went beyond the pain and his natural limitations. I'm going to do it and I'm going to become I believe if he could do that to be a Marine, we could do even more to be a general in the army of the Lord. And I believe that that is what God is calling us. To sacrifice whatever has to be sacrificed. But I'm going to run this race and I'm going to win. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be called names. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be mocked. But all the time, I've got the stripes of a soldier of the Lord. And I know what God has called me to do. And I know the passion God has put within my heart. So whatever. When I stand before God, He's going to be all smiles. And I'm going to be too. Are you ready? Are you running this race for man or are you running this race for God? Are you here for the glory of the kingdom of heaven or for the name of a denomination? Heaven! He saved you. He rescued you. Don't you dare ever think you're a nobody. You are a somebody. And I tell you, of all the works we did in Argentina, the fastest growing, miraculous Awesome work we raised up in Argentina. One of the most awesome ones was the one on the trash pile. When the little people used to ride their wagons picking up glass, bones, and paper. And they would go around and they lived by picking up trash. And they lived on the trash pile. And it was a home meeting in a little... Well, it grew to that, but it started off small in a little cardboard house. And they would come to church. They would take the old cow bones and glass and papers out of the wagon. And they would bring people to church. And it started growing. And then we had to start a church in the trash dump. And we'd go to the trash dump. And, and we'd meet in their little house. And then it started growing, like she said, at 66. We had outside crusades. And here's this man who started in this home. And he ended up being able to get rid of the wagon and the mule and get him a pickup truck. And he started building him a cement block house with electricity. And we started having church in a cement block house instead of a cardboard house. 
And he started bringing the people to the main church with people in the back of a pickup truck instead of an old stinky wagon. But it was in that trash pile where the people would come with their callous, dirty hands and their clothes all dirty because they make a living working with trash. But boy, would we see the glory of God. And I believe God is going to do awakening in America. And the trash heaps of the families and people's lives and turn them into the Charles Finney's and the D.L. Moody's of today. That he will receive all the glory because there will be nothing for us with our lives the way it was to glorify about. It's all Jesus. And I'm going to be counted among that number. Amen, church. Father, we bless your people tonight and we thank you, Lord. As Lord, we're getting into some areas that, Lord, we just want you to please you. And that you set your seal upon us and we realize what a jealous God you are. You said your name is jealousy. Because you want us so much. You gave your son that we could have intimacy with you. You paid such a price. We pray for revival. We pray for revival. We pray for personal revival. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to visit every home, every child, every adult, every marriage, every business. We ask you to visit and fan the flames of revival in every life. We ask you to fan the flame of revival in our worship, in our preaching, in our teaching, in our different ministries. And Lord, wherever the ministries go and wherever we are, Lord, send us the hurting and the down. And we'll invite them to come to church and let them feel your presence here. And Lord, even as that lady came and told me today so many times, another one came to me today and say, I'm joining this church. These are such loving people and I feel accepted. Lord, I praise you that, Lord, no matter what, may they come and join themselves to this place because of the love of your people and the non-judgmental spirit and attitude. Bless us, Lord. Give us the grace to love like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Woo. God's been speaking to us differently, hasn't He? Y'all ready to go higher? What a sold out group of people. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout out glory. Glory. Somebody shout out Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Well, Tuesday night, we'll be here in intercession. Wednesday night service, we'll be here teaching the word. Uh, greet somebody. If you need prayer, if you need prayer, come up here and let us pray for you. Anoint you with oil, minister to you. Tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you bless them. 
If you have a word to tell somebody, give them a word. But God bless you. And may this be a blessed week for you. In Jesus' name, amen.